Live from Beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by conservative Ted Dabrowski. He is with Wirepoints. Also, Patrick Hanley, a Democrat. He is a businessman. Jim Morrissey joins us. He is a Democratic attorney. And Stephanie Trussell joins us. She is a talk show host and ran for lieutenant governor last year in the state of Illinois. Our program is coming to you tonight from the studios of AM560. That's the Salem Station in Elk Grove Village, just outside Chicago. And our phone lines open 1-800-723-8289. We have a... uh, we have an extensive docket of things that we want to discuss this evening, and I want to begin uh, with some of the, the, the legal things that took place last week as it relates to former President Donald Trump. Uh, the special prosecutor, Jack Smith, has asked the United States Supreme Court to get involved in a ruling on some of the key matters that he is dealing with in presenting his case against uh, Mr. Trump. And so uh, my question to our sole Democrat attorney this evening, Jim Morrissey. Jim, nice to have you with us. Um, is this, a, in your view, is this a desperate move by Jack Smith, or uh, is it uh, is it a good idea politically or legally? Well, wow, that's uh, a lot to unpack. Uh, good evening, Bruce. <laughs> good you. to see you again. Thank you, Thank you. Uh, for the return invitation here. Um, you know, I gave up my prosecutorial days over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And since then, as you know, I've been a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer, mm-hmm. mostly representing injured construction workers. So, uh, but I do appreciate your invitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not part of Mr. Smith's prosecution. Uh, I think he's uh, run a very good ship to this point. Uh, I know he has had to appeal to a number of courts uh, uh, from time to time. Uh, and I think that prosecution is going full speed ahead. I think he's got a mountain of evidence, and I don't think there's any desperate uh, desperation about it. But we'll that's, see. That's why we have yeah. a legal system. That's why we have 12 jurors, and uh, and that's why we have a federal judge overseeing it, yeah. who I think, I think, and I'll leave this to yeah. the Republican folks here to straighten it out if I'm mistaken. I think it's a Trump appointee as uh, yep. mm-hmm. the federal judge there. I want to go to uh, Patrick Hanley, our other uh, Democrat uh, businessman. Uh, Patrick is usually with us in studio, but he joins us tonight from his home. And uh, Patrick, my question to you, from, from a political standpoint, um, I think there's a lot of Trump people who think that this is a big, this, this is a really good idea because Jack Smith is sort of admitting that he needs you know, more clarity to make his case. And the ultimate deciders here are the U.S. Supreme Court, where Donald Trump has a at least a mathematical, uh, if not majority, he's got certainly an input there. So what's your, what, is your, what is your question? Do you, uh, you know, you're trying to make the case that, uh, that Donald Trump should not be elected. Does this help or hurt Donald Trump? Or does it just make things more confusing in the body politic? Uh, we've got to turn your microphone on, Patrick, because uh, we are... Uh, try it again. No, let's try it one more time. Uh, all right, it's not on our end. So work on it on your end, and I want to come back to uh, uh, my conservatives. Uh, Stephanie Trussell... Um, 
I'm going to change the question a little bit to you. Okay. First of all, what's your answer to this question? Does this help confuse the issue in the body politic? I just wish they could charge him with what they feel he's guilty of, and that's just being a popular president that did a great job that looks like he's going to beat uh, Biden, and that's what the crime is, basically. This this is so ridiculous, some of the things that they're throwing at him. Let's throw everything at him. He, cro- he crossed the street, he jaywalked, and all these other things. I just well, wish— Well, it's more than jaywalking, though, I mean, he did, he did— but, I mean, seriously, I mean, we can't keep up 94 indictments or what I mean— uh, uh, charges. What? What is? What are we talking about? His guilty. What he's guilty of is being the most popular Republican that looks like he's going to be a nominee. And I don't want anyone to be confused. If something. But people to, don't go to the court. They don't go. They don't take that to court. That I mean, in the court of public opinion, this mm-hmm. is how you're trying to spin it. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying is that when when uh, lawyers and most importantly when judges make decisions, the people for the most part on the receiving end of those decisions. They're like lay people. They're like me. They don't know the right from wrong when it comes to legality. And I'm saying is that, you know, when you get into all this legalese, and there will be a lot of it, and there has been a great deal of it, does, do, do, the, do the eyes of voters glaze over because they can't follow the bouncing ball? It's just too much. It's too difficult for them. Right, exactly. And then the people that, um, that hate Donald Trump— they just get so excited. Oh, yet this is something else. This is he's not worthy. He can't be president. He can't run. And I don't want anyone to be confused. Donald Trump is in the hot seat. Let's say he decides he wakes up tomorrow and decides I don't want to run. Whoever the Republican nominee will be laser focused. That will be the person they're going to try to take out. Let's just run the race based on the facts and 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 just and that's that. But that's not what they're going to do. It's okay. so ridiculous that no one else has been targeted Ted, like Donald Ted, Trump. what do you think? What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, Bruce, you know, this stuff has been going on, not just not just this stuff that we've been going on on yep. January 6th, but all the other charges. And, you know, we been, we did this through four years under, under Trump where he's constantly under attack. So I think average people can't keep up with this stuff anymore. I mean, I know the Wall Street Journal can write about it and we can all, like, debate what's going on. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it does help in the end. We'll see if, if the Supreme Court gets involved. All that's always... I think favorable for Trump, but uh, yeah, I just think the average person is just sick of this, and uh, it it inspires and, and fires up uh, Republicans, and uh, probably keeps Democrats engaged. But I I just think I think we're we're all tired of this. Let's go back to Patrick. Pat, are you there? Bruce, let me. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes, go ahead. All right, terrific. I I I couldn't disagree more with each of you, my friends. What you're saying is if you commit a lot of crimes at once and confuse people, you can get away with all of them. And that's exactly the kind of clarity that Jack Smith is hoping to get from the Supreme Court. So to the original question, Bruce, whether or not this was smart, I think it was really smart because if things get caught up in the Supreme Court way down the line after a jury trial, and then all of a sudden there's an appeals process, uh, that's when things get confusing. Whereas uh, Jack Smith is seeking clarity now at the beginning where the court can say whether or not a president has immunity for life. Think about that. That's a crazy thing that we have to decide in this day and age of nobody is above the law. But if it com- if it comes down to that, where the Supreme Court becomes involved in an era where the Supreme Court has become very politicized, does it give one side, primarily, let's say your side, the Democratic side, does it give them a, a, a point to make in that, oh, it's going to the Supreme Court and he's got this Supreme Court stacked and, you know, it, he's got it made here, that this was a decision to help Donald Trump? For, in, in, a, in a political no. argument, aren't, aren't a lot of Democrats yeah. going to make that point? 
oftentimes it's easy to think about the Republican as, or the Supreme Court as Republicans and Democrats. And I'll make that case all the time on certain issues. On this one, on this constitutional issue, actually, I do have faith in the Supreme Court to uphold rule of law in the United States. And folks like Gorsuch, folks like Kavanaugh have shown us that they're willing to yes, rule against have. the president when he's made an egregious mistake or he's broken the law. Okay, we're going to browse 1-800-723-8029. I'm very interested in hearing from out at radio and TV land to see how you feel on this issue as well. Uh, the Supreme Court trying to get involved in this case based on what Jack Smith has asked for. Uh, does that help clarify your mind in any way? I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year of partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date, and I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we can come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Visit surroundchicago.com and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to visit surroundchicago.com today. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hergaris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit HealthyChildren.org. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. 
Just a minute back, we continue with Beyond the Beltway. Thanks very much for joining us. Stephanie Trussell, my question to you as one of our card-carrying Republicans. Let's let's turn the tables and let's talk about the other indictments and the other guy who's got some legal problems, and that's Hunter Biden. Yes. Um, because Hunter Biden has been indicted on these income tax cases, does it make it very difficult for Republicans to keep blaming the Justice Department for, for looking the other way and just going after Republicans if they went after the son of the president of the United States? Well, I think they had no choice because there's so much evidence. It's so egregious. They had to do something. Now, how far will it go? Exactly what will happen that remains to be seen. I think the Republicans should go full court press on making the case to connect Hunter with his dad. And that statement that Hunter made, my dad had no financial and throwing that word in such a legal way to just to make that statement, no financial connections to my business. I don't understand why we're just doing this. This should have been done a long time ago. It's about time. And and so just because they've charged him doesn't mean that we're, where are we going to go with this? I mean, we have people right here in Chicago. But I mean, in, 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 a, in, a, in a discussion, let's say, at a, at a cocktail party, mm-hmm. I mean, aren't a lot of Democrats going to say, this proves that the Justice Department, they are straight and narrow, they, they have indicted the president's son on nine accounts. If convicted, he could go to jail or prison for 17 years. That's not exactly chopped liver. Well, Jim, I, how, do, how, how, do, how do you weigh in on this? Does this, does this balance the scale? Well, I think that uh, the justice system uh, uh, should be allowed to work its way out. You know, you mentioned uh, some of the, the Trump appointees on various courts, both at the mm-hmm. uh, district court, the appellate court level, and uh, the United States Supreme Court. One of, I think, uh, the brightest spots over the last uh, three years here uh, since the, uh, uh, since the uh, you know, uh, the lies over the fake election and all of those things mm-hmm. and, uh, and voting fraud and so on and so forth, uh, was it, 30 or 60 lawsuits that were thrown out of court as having absolutely no merit, mostly by judges who were Trump appointees, uh, gives me a lot of confidence in, uh, in our judicial system and in our Justice Department because they did the right thing. You know, when I was a prosecutor in Cook does County— the, Does that include the FBI, Jim? I think the FBI is, uh, has done a great job. I think they've done a great job. I mean, they're being accused of, of, of all things, if you can imagine this, uh, and this is just another crazy conspiracy theory with no evidence that the FBI somehow incited and uh, whipped people up and so forth and uh, brought about the January 6th insurrection. And the same people who are saying that with a presumably— A very small With a presumably straight face want to uh, let the guy off the hook who was standing, I don't know, what is it, about a quarter of a mile away, half a mile away at the ellipse, saying, you got to fight, 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 or you won't have a country. March right down there and go to the Capitol. They want to give him a free a pass and suggest that, Somehow there were a few people or some people uh, at over there, even though the FBI director has testified under oath, there were no FBI Ted, uh, no, agents involved Ted, Ted, in that. Ted, do you, do you, uh, where do you come down uh, on, on Hunter Biden? I mean, is he, an important, uh, is he an important figure in the presidential election of next year? Well, I absolutely think he is, and he should be. Um, I think, uh, you know, of course, he's, he's got these indictments, and that's, 
that's a start. But, you know, I think the, the bigger issue is this whole relationship, and it's gone on for so long, and, and, and there's so much data out there. There's all these accusations, of course, with, with, his, with his father and then the rest of the family members. Yeah. The cash flows are all there. Um, I, I think what's frustrating to a lot of people is, is, you know, if you look at how Trump was attacked year after year after year during his first four years, uh, Biden seems to be getting special treatment. And so all this stuff needs to come out. It needs to play out and, you know, let, let the chips fall where they may. But uh, it's not coming out. His lawyer, Biden's lawyer, has said that this is Abby Lowell. He has said that this case would never go forward if, if his name, if Hunter's last name was not Biden. He'd be um, in jail for a tax evasion for not paying. No, that's taxes. exactly right. We, we go we ahead, know that it Patrick. Go, go, Patrick, go. Patrick. Let's go to Patrick. Go ahead, Patrick. It, for sure, it, the, 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 we've seen the same sorts of cases get settled out of court time and time again. There's no way this would go forward if his last name wasn't Biden. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to think that suddenly, uh, you know, this whole this whole system is going to be uh, anti-Biden. It, it doesn't make sense. Sorry. The gun charges alone, and we talk about the FBI and the laptop, everything that they suppressed. I mean, come on. I, what are we not paying attention to the same thing? I don't understand what you're talking about. I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theory. I think that they're letting all this stuff come out about Biden <laughs> because they know Joe Biden cannot make it through this election cycle. So they're going to put all this stuff and say, well, maybe he's not the good nominee. He's letting all They're letting all this stuff come out because they want to switch out the candidate. It's no way he can make it to November. Jim, is he a strong candidate? Is Joe Biden a strong candidate? I think Biden is just a, a perfectly fine candidate. Perfectly? He whipped Trump, uh, what, three, two and a half years ago, a little more than that, uh, and he'll whip him again. Uh, the Republicans, my friend Stephanie here and Patrick, uh, or uh, oh. Ted evidently, um, you know, uh, have tied themselves uh, to a bad candidate. They've been doing it for five or six years. They painted themselves into a corner. And now they're just uh, trying to conspiracy how theory their you, way out of how it. Do Stephanie you admitted she's a conspiracy okay, but, theorist. But, but Jim, I, but how I, do you— But I, I applaud her for her honesty. My question to you is, how do you feel about Democrats who have raised questions yes. about the president's viability for re-election? Jim Carville. Mm-hmm. Questions about his age, mm-hmm. certainly suggestions of, of, of David Axelrod saying, yes. yeah, look, look, look at the handwriting on the wall. There's enough people out there who have who are card carrying Democrats that are raising questions about whether or not Joe Biden is a strong candidate. Do you dismiss all those people? I don't dismiss anybody. Uh, I'm an American. I believe in freedom of speech. I believe they have the right to express their opinions. I happen to have a different opinion. I think a man who brought us from back from the abyss of uh, of a neglected global pandemic, who's added 13 uh, uh, million jobs to our economy, record jobs, who's uh, reduced unemployment to 3.6%, the lowest it's been in in maybe ever, and who took a, an economy that he inherited that had, and I think it was in the second quarter of 2020, uh, had 13% unemployment, uh, who has created... Uh, uh, the infrastructure program. Ted is shaking his hand. Bridges and, and, and Ted, so do you agree with it with the roads. recitation well, well, you, of issues you, here? You've got then an we'll issue. Go to Patrick. You've got an issue where I think you know Patrick and Jim would agree that Trump Trump's got all kinds of stuff against him right now with all these uh, lawsuits and indictments, etc. He's got he's got a he's got a huge negativity factor, and yet poll after poll right now is starting to show Trump actually ahead, even if you take into account the. Um, well, anyway, he's you know, ahead by a few points. And uh, you, you have to go back to what Biden has done with inflation, uh, with the migration problem, 
Uh, there's a lot of a lot of the the base, the black base, the Hispanics are starting to go against him. Uh, he, he's lost our respect internationally for for America. Uh, the um, you know you got a much how more much of this, It's it's a big deal. How much of this, in your view, Ted? Lost. And then I want to go to Patrick. How much of this is his yeah. age? His age and his his on occasion. Yeah feeble-minded acting. Well, no, I, I think some of that might be, but no, I think it's the actual outcomes in America, whether it's him deciding that, and we don't know who actually decides things, whether it's him deciding or the people who decide for him have led us, led America down a path where it's hard to be proud of America right now. All those things that we talk about internationally, economy, uh, they're, they're all against uh, against what, what we should have in America. Patrick, no, no, no. Patrick, uh, I want to go. I want to go to Patrick Hanley. Patrick Hanley, uh, you're you're married. You're a new father. You you live in the North Shore of Chicago. You're surrounded by by bright, affluent people to the most part. When they get together, and you're like in your thirties, right? Are you in your thirties? How old are you now? Yes, yes, okay. yes. You're in your thirties. Yes, thirties. When you're all together, you're thirty somethings. Does his age ever come up, and if so, in what context? Yeah, yeah. So let's let's take a quick step back. His age will come up in every conversation had by Democrats and Republicans over the next year. That's just that is a fact. Yep. That is a truth that we all recognize. Now, Democrats look at his age and they see his accomplishments, and then they look across the aisle and see the other guy and the chaos and insanity that he's going to bring to us. And so we we get over the age. That's all right. And frankly, he's surrounded by such a talented team of young and impressive people, people like uh, Gina Raimondo, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Mitch Landrieu until recently, that his administration isn't handicapped by any sort of age issue. And frankly, his legislative success shows us what that experience gets you in the White House. Are they excited about the vice president as well? You didn't mention her. Are you you, you and your friends, are they excited about the vice president running for re-election again with him. The the reality is, folks, even on my side of the aisle, my friends, my peers, whatever, I I can't speak for Jim, uh, we view next year as an existential election, and the Democrat that is the nominee will win all of our support as we join a coalition of independents and Republicans to prevent Donald Trump from ever taking office again. That's that's the overriding. How do you? How do you how, one last question to you. How do you react or analyze some of the polling that's out there now, that that basically sure. states that for independents and for African Americans and to Latinos, yeah. Donald Trump is doing amazingly well, and in one-on-ones with the president, he's beating the president. I would say Donald Trump is doing surprisingly well, not amazingly well. And I think that'll come down when the contrast becomes clear. Right now, the story is Biden and inflation. And inflation is incredibly painful. I would argue that it was caused primarily by COVID. And I would say that the president brought inflation down from 9 to 3%, which is incredible. Uh, and I also think a lot of that anxiety around the economy is going to change over the next six months as things do get better and prices come down. When we come back, Stephanie Trussell, she's been very, very patient and she's a talk show host so she's dying to get to the microphone. We will hear from her and everybody else coast to coast, border to border, around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. Happy holidays, everybody. I'm Bruce Dumont. This is Carol Platley-Bell for townhall.com. 
No wonder Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers and other big government union leaders wield so much power in Washington. According to a new report by the Commonwealth Foundation, the four largest government unions dumped more than $700 million into Democratic causes and campaigns in just the last election cycle. The contributions from these government union political action committees, or PACs, made up about 40 percent of political spending. And that spending was anything but even-handed. In the 2021-22 election cycle, more than 99 percent of their federal PAC and 95 percent of state PAC contributions went to Democrats. The government bureaucracy, otherwise known as the administrative state, was created to be a nonpartisan class of government experts. Powered by the PACs and the membership fees of government unions, it's instead become a hyperpartisan political arm of the Democrats. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid. He knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey. Want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Ah, it's good to hear holiday music, big band holiday music. Uh, We're going to begin right now by giving everybody an opportunity to spend a moment, uh, less than 30 seconds, if you will, to briefly explain who you are. And we're going to begin uh, with uh, Stephanie Trussell. Hi, I'm Stephanie Trussell, Chicago native. I had a radio show for seven years on WLS. I ran with Darren Bailey in the last election cycle. I am a wife, a grandma, and I own Boss Dogs in Lyle with my husband. Now, also, I think the lower third here said that you're a Trump supporter. That's not true. Well, before. I, and I was a, right. But I am now right a now, delegate for Vivek Ramaswamy. You are a delegate, so we're going to change that. Mm-hmm. A delegate for Vivek but, Ramaswamy. But if Trump is our quick nominee. Follow up, quick follow-up to you. Mm-hmm. Has his aggressive nature hurt him with the Republican electorate? 
Well, it not, I like his direct. I subscribe to everything he tweets. I like that he's saying things that no one has the courage to say. Yes, that's and true. And we run from our platform. We have the best platform, but we run from it. Our, our uh, um, consultants tell us, well, don't bring it up unless somebody mentions it to you. He's going right after it. He's saying exactly what needs to be said. Is so, his style, mm-hmm. is his 38-year-old style, <laughs> is it what is needed in a Republican primary where most of the voters are over 45 or 50 years old. Remember when everything was young because of Obama. Now they're trying to convince us that an old man like um, Biden is going to appeal to people. I'm talking young about people, the voters. I know, but young people I'm talking think— about the voters that are, they, that are watching these debates. Right. They think DeSantis is too old. They love Vivek Ramaswamy. I was with him okay. at CPAC, and I'm telling you, young college students are fired up for this man. So that's all I can say. He all has right. certainly—you know, he's we'll done that. We'll see what happens in Iowa. Are you, far, are you charged up for him, <laughs> for uh, Derek? Vivek. Vivek, I, 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 what do you I, I, think? You're, probably, you're a conservative. Where, you know, you describe yourself more as a conservative than a Republican because you're involved in some non-for-profit stuff. But again, um, what is your take on Vivek Ramaswamy? Well, Has he been good for the process? Well, I think you know, I, I always think a guy who, who shakes it up is good for the process. And, you know, he's, okay. he, said, he said a lot of good things. He, said, he says a lot of truths. My own personal view is he's too aggressive, goes a little too far. And, you know, if, if you were to tone it down by half, it would be more effective. But, uh, but yeah, he, he says a lot of good stuff. He's, he's shaking the tree. Tell everybody who you are when you're uh, not here. Ted Dabrowski, I'm WirePoint's president there. You know, our goal is to, to figure out how to turn around Illinois. Uh, tough, tough state to do because yep. of all the, all the problems we have. But uh, parents were immigrants here. Uh, when, when they came here, Illinois was thriving and growing. Today it's shrinking and people are leaving. So the big goal is to, to convince people to, hey, let's, let's fix the policies we have here and uh, do you believe around. that it's declining because they are here? This is, I mean, this is relatively over the last several months. What's that? Uh, the influx of, of migrants, the no, massive uh, influx. Oh, no, I mean, our, our problems are, are decades long with, with pensions and uh, high taxes and, and all those things. But the migrants are, are making things tougher. Jim Marisi, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up on Chicago's north side, uh, what's now called Roscoe Village. Uh-huh. It wasn't called that then. Sure. I am a Chicago personal injury lawyer. Uh, managing partner of Maurice Longo and Associates, uh, personal injury and workers' comp, a small firm, eight-lawyer firm, and we mostly represent uh, injured, at least my personal practice, is mostly representing injured construction workers, iron workers, plumbers, pipe fitters, laborers, mm-hmm. uh, in serious construction site injury accidents, amputations, wrongful death cases. And uh, as I said earlier, I'm former Cook County Assistant State's Attorney. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this personal injury work for uh, nearly 40 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm very proud of my my career. And you're not, not, you don't have any position with the Democratic Party. You're just a Democrat. I am, uh, I describe myself as a relatively conservative, moderate uh, uh, Chicago Democrat. Okay. Um, You know, I supported... uh, A daily, a daily I supported the dailies. Yeah, I loved the city that works. Uh, kind of wish it worked a little better right now, but uh, I love the city. I love Illinois, and I don't have a lot of tolerance for naysayers. Uh, you know, well, get out there the and right, try, get out the there right and place. try to make it better. You've come Otherwise, to the right place. Uh, <laughs> you don't live in the city. Though. You know, you lead, city, lead you follow, or get out yeah. of the way. Well, Patrick Hanley, you know that we don't have any naysayers on this program, but tell everybody about you because uh, your life has changed considerably. You've become a regular on this program this this year, and. Uh, your life has changed, and tell everybody about it. Turn the microphone on. Patrick, turn the microphone on. Let's try it again. These young people in technology, I don't know. 
Why is it? Yeah, why is it that the youngest person <laughs> is having the technological right. issue? Uh-oh. Is there anything that we're doing on this, Fritz? It's all his fault. Microphone is on. Okay. Well, we'll we'll come back to him a little bit later. Can I respond um, to these two gentlemen and and their gaslighting yeah, us you, with you, how you great would, you would you had a right, question about right to Jim. because um, I I just love how they give Biden so much credit because look what he's done with the economy. You mean the economy where we were forced to to deem people essential, non-essential, made people stay home, wiped out entire job brackets, and then suddenly he comes in and everything is so great. I remember how much gas was when President Trump was in office. Homelessness is just a record high. It's ridiculous. People cannot buy homes now. I mean, the American dream seems unreachable at this point. And if we're not going to talk about open borders, that's a whole, hopefully we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But the approval rating of Kamala Harris is embarrassing. Nobody wants her. And I'm just going to watch to see how they switch out a black woman for a white man because we, they have to put Newsom in. It's no way they can win. Maybe if they can get Michelle Obama to run. But we're going to pretend that oh, that everything is, is rainbow and, and, and happiness and, and we're on the but gravy train but, with biscuit wheels. No, we're that, not. But we're suffering. All, but that's also, it's part of the campaign rhetoric, whether a Republican is saying it, oh. you're a Republican, he's a Democrat. You're always... You're I'm always actuating mm-hmm. the positive as you see it, right. because you think that people are going to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, their Trump vote. was not Trump was not perfect. He spent too much money. He believed that if once he won, that Republicans would suddenly like him. He's the only person that I can remember here, that had Democrats and Republicans working against him. Here, here, here's a question that I want to ask. We talked about it last week, and it's very important. And hopefully, Patrick Canley can become involved in this. But my question was, in the wake of 2016. We had an election, election and mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't like the results of the election. Mm-hmm. And they had demonstrations and marches in the street, some of it turned violent because they hated Donald Trump. And when you went to certain places, you couldn't even mention his name. Mm-hmm. You couldn't you couldn't, couldn't wear, a Trump wear hat. you couldn't wear a <laughs> Trump hat. I mean, the, the vitriol amongst the losers, was so strong. So my question to you, Jim, is we've got another election coming up. It may be the same two combatants. First of all, were you disturbed at all about the way some Americans reacted to the 2016 election? You're talking about 2016 uh, when Trump ran against Hillary when Trump, Clinton. When Trump That's 2016. Right. Mm-hmm. Did, I, did I say? Yeah, yeah you, right, said, you Hillary, did say yeah. 2016. When she was the original election yeah. denier. No, no, right. no, but so my question is, yeah. when, when he beat Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. half of America went nuts. And my question to you is, do you think that will happen again if Trump wins again? Um, I don't know. I don't think Trump is... I don't think Trump 2.0 is going to be any bargain. Uh, I think he's been the worst thing that's happened to American politics and American society, American's position in the world ever. I mean, if you want someone to cozy up to Putin, if you want someone to be pen pal buddies with uh, Kim Jong-un, if you want somebody to uh, cater to to China, uh, window dress with some some tariffs, but but cause the world to be a a less safe place... (laughs) Then yeah. Well, Jim, then over, vote, then vote Jim, for John, Jim, Donald Trump. Trump. Jim, over seventy <laughs> over seventy million people believe would believe that. You know what? Uh, whether whether that's the whether that's the the right number, or the wrong number, but over seventy million people believe that you're wrong on that point. Yeah, we're a closely divided uh, nation, yeah, well, and it's uh, it's too bad. Ted, um, do you think it's going to come 
is it going to get real nasty again? I, I, I think, it, you know, if he does win, I don't think it's going to be as nasty as before because when we, we lived through him four years and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he's a tough guy to put up with everything he says, the way he behaves, all that. But when you look at the bottom line of what he did, he had the Abraham Accords, right? He, he did stuff like that. We weren't in wars. Uh, we didn't have a migration problem. He's actually trying to solve the migration problem. We didn't have an inflation problem. You know, uh, 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 so I, I think it's people be used to it. We know what to expect. He's going to be himself. It, he's, he's always going to be. Patrick, complex. are you there? Can you speak? I am. Patrick, go ahead. What's your answer Bruce, to the same question? I'm sorry. Roll it back. I was working with Fritz on the audio. Okay, well, you're, you're, we can now hear what you have to say. So say something because uh, your time may be running out. <laughs> well, Bruce, it's great to be back on the show. I apologize for not being in studio. Uh, this, okay. The news that you alluded to a little bit ago, I've got a 12-week-old uh, at home today, and that's why I'm staying at home. That's okay. I, I, I don't object to it, but, but, but my, my, my big question is when we go to you and ask you a question, I want to be able to hear the answer. So my question to you is— great. You know how vitriolic it was. We lived in yeah. a, you could cut the tension in with a knife in, in, in dinner tables all over the United States. Are we going to see something like that again if Donald Trump wins? Oh, definitely. I think you I think you still have that to an extent. And to the extent that you don't, it's folks that haven't tuned in yet. I really I, I think next year is going to be awful politically. I'm not looking forward to it. I think it's going to be Biden and Trump. I think it's going to be a very tight election, as Jim alluded to, and uh, and yeah, we'll we'll see. I think it's going to be a close thing, but I don't think I don't think our national division is anywhere near being resolved. Stephanie, what do you think? Well, what they're describing that with Trump as president, he's going to be a dictator. He's, I mean, all these things that they're assigning to him, we've already lived through four years of Trump. Those are his words. But, but I'm just saying, well, we had no wars, as Ted said, all the conflicts. Putin didn't try anything. We had none of this was going on, on under Trump. He had yeah. things under control, and people don't respect us anymore. They don't fear America. And so that's why we're having all these so conflicts. So you're expecting, you're expecting more of the same. I hope he goes harder because he has to understand he can't trust yeah. anybody, oh Republicans or Democrats. Don't trust any of those people and get and it done. Are, Drain are, the swamp. How are they going to feel if, if Biden is elected? I want to get everybody's reaction <laughs> to that when we come back. And also uh, impeachment politically. Is impeachment of Joe Biden a good political move now? Yes or no? Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're looking outside of big corporate control. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something worth watching. The new Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. SNC is home to Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Watch anytime on any screen, free 24-7. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. You're smart, you're busy, and don't have time to waste on the mainstream media cycle. Salem News Channel breaks that cycle. Topics that matter from hosts worth watching. Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. Salem News Channel, not like the other guys. Watch anytime on any screen, free, 24-7. Find everything you need to know at snc.tv. That's snc.tv. snc.tv. 
Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. So take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. I mean, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back, and my question to our assembled panel this evening, I'm going to begin with you, Ted. Um, the House is uh, moving forward with an impeachment hearing and then ultimately uh, impeachment on their mind. Is that a good idea? We've got an election coming up. Why do we need an impeachment? Yeah, these are always tricky things because we've gotten so hyper-political that, you know, if you, if you want to, like, back off and say, hey, let's be, let's be normal again. But it's so highly politicized now, Bruce, that I don't think there's a way they can avoid it. Um, it's, they're, they're too deep into it. There's, there's a, a fight. It's like a war. Mm-hmm. And as much as you may not want to see it, um, you know, all, those, all those attempts at Trump, uh, you, you had to expect a payback. You can't, you can't do that for four years. And then when you have something as serious as what's going on with Biden and all the, and all the, um, all the news around. Patrick Canley, let's see if you're still there. Do you what do you think that impeachment yeah. is, I know you don't think it's a good idea but uh yeah doesn't uh, Ted have a point here that it maybe the, the you know the, the horse is out of the, the stable on this point No unfortunately this is only out of the stable cuz Republicans are letting it out I mean we impeached Trump twice for crimes he committed and now they're scrambling to figure out why to impeach Biden and Ted's answer uh no offense intended at all didn't include anything that Biden did I don't, if you asked a Republican, why are you impeaching Joe Biden? I think the, the average Republican on the street would have a hard time telling you. They don't know. They're going to try and figure it out, which is a terrible is there way not, to Is there not Biden. enough? Is there not enough circumstantial evidence now that would raise the possibility that as vice president of the United States, he was using his son 
to gather huge sums of money, or it was his son's idea to gather huge sums of money when he was running as vice president of the United States. Is that a possibility? No, I think not even a possibility. Again, the the Republican led House committee has shown us that they have absolutely no good evidence. The evidence is paper thin at best. I'm talking about the court of public opinion now. In the court of public opinion, sure. Jim Morrissey. We don't we don't convict people in public opinion. But we elect we people. Don't send, well, we they, elect but that's, people. But that's different. You said the well, court of public opinion. Well, people will vote on that well said, on November, whenever the election is, November yeah. 6th or 4th or yeah. whatever of 24. Uh, that has nothing to do with this silly uh, impeachment inquiry uh, into uh, President Biden. Um, you know, I so wish that the Republicans would take back their party uh, and they're being the, the whole dog is being wagged by the tail. I mean, my goodness, I would love for Republicans to help govern, help govern. OK, what have we seen from Republicans in the last months? I mean, they had to go to he- Helen back to even try to get a speaker elected. How many votes did they have? And, and the crazies that they were voting for, Jim Jordan and other people. And, uh, you know, I mean, just nuts. They had a speaker in McCarthy. They didn't like a couple things he did. So they, uh, I guess, I don't know, impeached him or defrocked him or took away his speakership. It's just crazy. The, some of the accomplishments that Joe Biden has had and the administration has had over the last two and a half years have been the bipartisan. And he's shown that but he can I'm, build coalitions. I'm, 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 but I, I, you I can't. Do, but any Jim, Republican who even Jim, wants to vote for him on a policy uh, with him on a policy matter, um, they get ostracized and they're, they're so I scared go, to get an opponent in a primary. I want to go back. It's not to, the way to govern. I want to go back to the average man and woman who has been following the story for a long time. And they're just saying that these, the story that's out there. The story that is out there, the narrative that's out there, is that Hunter Biden used the president or the president used the son to do business deals while he was vice president of the United States. And, and the Republicans are looking for hard evidence of that. They've come up with some things, but the Democrats aren't satisfied with them. And I'm just saying is that if you're a voter out there, isn't there enough that's been raised about the relationship of Hunter Biden and his father— that warrants further discussion because all we all we ever heard out of Joe Biden's mouth for the last 20 plus years of his political career about his son Bo his son Bo who had cancer and then he died all we heard about was the sympathetic side of the Biden family and what we're what we're hearing now is there's another side of that family and this is this is the, 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 the drug abuser, this is the, the guy who, who is appointed, uh, who spends his money on hookers and doesn't pay taxes. We're seeing another side of that family. And I'm thinking that I think a lot of voters think about what are these people really like? No other family would get away with this, maybe the Kennedys. But when we think, you know, yeah. when it comes to 
there's more hair on um, Joe Biden than a barbershop floor. It would be negligent not to impeach him. I mean, the shell corporations, money going to everybody named Biden. This is unbelievable. And who's buying? How is Hunter Biden qualified to be on the board of all these corporations and foreign corporations? And he's doing all this based on what? Most people that struggle with drug addiction can't even figure out how to get to work to, and, and function day to day. Are he's you used- worried? Are you worried, Stephanie? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of people in this country who have children yes. who have drug problems, okay? Right. Are you, as a Republican, worried about when when the Republicans focus on his drug addiction, Hunter's drug addiction, they may be painting a sympathetic figure of him? No. Because many of the people that are out there listening to this story, they too have sons or daughters, and they don't they don't like they don't like his uh, derogatory no. biography. Fan for everyone. No, I mean, but people but, that have addictions, their kids have to pay for their crimes. They have to go to court to try to get their do. kids back. They're struggling in the real world with addiction. This guy is getting away with murder because his last name is Biden. You know what? A lot of people love their kids because they have drug addictions, but that doesn't mean that Biden should, um, J- uh, Hunter should just get away with the gun charges. We didn't even talk about the gun charges. Okay, well, I want to, Patrick. Last word to you, Patrick. Go ahead. Minute to I go. I would just say that. Hunter Biden is facing incredibly serious charges. And that if you take a step back, this is a tragedy for the Biden family. Joe Biden obviously loves his kids and loves his grandkids. And there are very few American families where there isn't a black sheep, where there isn't somebody who's made mistakes. I think Republicans have dramatically overplayed their hand with this thing. And it's only going to redound to the Democrats okay. as the, the Republicans are unable to have a coherent hearing. Okay. On that point, I want to say, Patrick, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We've had some technical issues. We'll have you back on right at the first of the year. But thanks very much. Merry Christmas to you. We'll be back with another full Merry hour. Christmas. More subjects. We had a lot more to talk about. We've just scratched the surface of our agenda tonight. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. We'll be back after news. You're listening to Beyond the Beltway. This is Carol Platt-Lebow for townhall.com. No wonder Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers and other big government union leaders wield so much power in Washington. According to a new report by the Commonwealth Foundation, the four largest government unions dumped more than $700 million into Democratic causes and campaigns in just the last election cycle. The contributions from these government union political action committees, or PACs, made up about 40% of political spending. And that spending was anything but even-handed. In the 2021-22 election cycle, more than 99% of their federal PAC and 95% of state PAC contributions went to Democrats. The government bureaucracy, otherwise known as the administrative state, was created to be a nonpartisan class of government experts. Powered by the PACs and the membership fees of government unions, it's instead become a hyper-partisan political arm of the Democrats. This is Bruce Dumont. We continue with our number two of Beyond the Beltway with our guests, Jim Morisi. He's a Democrat. Stephanie Trussell, she is a Republican, and our conservative is Ted Dombrowski. He is with WirePoints, and we said farewell uh, to uh, our other guest who will join us in the future, and that's Patrick Hanley, uh, having some technical difficulties with Patrick this evening. Uh, one of the other big issues over the last couple of weeks is that uh, leaders, the presidents of many high, uh, Ivy League universities, 
uh, went to Washington. They were put on they were put on the hot seat and asked to explain some of their positions vis-a-vis the demonstrations that take place at their universities, uh, some of which have gone overboard and are being described as anti-Semitic in their nature. And uh, one of the things that has come out of this is because of the one of the three presidents, the president of Penn, University of Pennsylvania, she has resigned. The other two, MIT and Harvard, they have avoided the charges or the calls for them uh, to uh, step down. But my question to, to our guests this evening is, and, and Tom Cotton of, of Arkansas has come up with the idea that he wants to find some way to penalize these colleges and universities and withhold money from them or basically to, to tax their endowment funds and use that money to help fund the war uh, in Gaza and with, with Israel and also use it for other purposes. So my question to you is, and I'm going to begin with, with you, Ted, uh, what do you think of the idea of government uh, withholding federal support to colleges that they deem anti-Semitic or they disagree with? Well, um, you know, I, I don't like the government getting involved in a whole lot, uh, you know, where, where they shouldn't be. And so, um, you know, when they can start to influence and use power to, to create behavioral change that's not good yeah. um that said the universities do get a lot of support from the federal government so uh if they want that federal support then they may want to have to think about whether they are doing things that are either against the law or something egregious um so uh, I, I have to think about it a little bit more because i didn't see tom cotton's proposal but um you know what it's clear that you know, i'd rather see the, the the public pressure on somebody like gay at harvard um or the, or the person at, uh, at, at Penn, you know, get fired for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is going to have to be a cultural thing. You can't legislate this kind of behavior. And I think the fight just has to be held out in public like it's being held out now. Jim Barisi, what do you think of the idea? Well, I think, uh, you know, one of the places uh, that should be the freest uh, environment for expression of thought and discussion of different ideas and uh, bouncing things off of one another um, are in universities. Um, I certainly enjoyed that during my days in DePaul University, and that was, you know, in part uh, during the, uh, or just after the Seven-Day War uh, in, in Israel, mm-hmm. um, a long time ago, and uh, and during the Richard Nixon, uh, uh, I guess the House Committee yeah. into Watergate, yeah. uh, and we had a free and open forum to discuss pros, cons, in-betweens, and consider our opinions, maybe change our opinions, maybe change other people's opinions. That's what uh, an educational environment is. But, that, is, but, that's not, but that's not what we have now, Jim. What happens on a lot of colleges and university campuses is they talk about diversity and inclusion. The, the one point of diversity that they don't acknowledge at all is a political diversity of thought and opinion. And so you have conservative speakers that aren't even allowed to go on a college campus or invitations are withdrawn. Or if you go there, there is demonstrations that's, that have turned violent. And the question is, I mean, you have, you have the right to free speech, Stephanie. Everybody talks about free speech, right. but there's also academic freedom as well. How do you, how do you 
draw this line? Because I, I think I know where you where you stand on the issue, but should the government be involved in trying to enforce this? Well, the government, show me in the Constitution where the government should be involved in education in the first place. That's A. A, a, a university like Harvard and these big, they have enough elite people that have graduated from there. They can get money from there. The tuition's a billion dollars. I don't know why we're funding this in not the first place. Not a billion place. dollars. You know what I mean. It's way more than yeah. what most people can afford to go there. Yeah, but not and pay. a billion dollars. I, I'm exaggerating, but you know what well, I mean. Let's not exaggerate. It, okay, it's a lot. <laughs> I have to Google exactly what the tuition okay. is, but it's it's out of the well, reach of most people. Well, their endowment is a billion dollars. Exactly. So my question is, what other group, when you, when you ask the most elite educated people, should these kids be allowed to call for the death of Jews? It seems to be such an uh, easy answer. No, they shouldn't. Free speech. But if they had said that about blacks or Hispanic or any other group, they wouldn't be allowed to say that. But because they're standing about Jews, suddenly everybody's confused. I don't know. Maybe. Well, exactly. What if they say they're calling for the death of Jews? I mean, this is unbelievable. This is what our elite colleges have come to. I am just blown away. Are you you sure? I want to ask this one. Are you sure that that's what they're calling for? Are you sure when they say from the river to the sea, okay, you can interpret what that means. Okay, a lot of people can interpret it. But a lot of people might be able to say, you know, that may be true, but it isn't. There's some caveats in there because we're not trying to eradicate Jews. This is this is what some of the Palestinians are saying. Do you think that there's some possibility that that's what they mean? That Under no circumstances are we paying attention. Where I mean, October seventh happened. It's real. No question and about even, it. And now we have modern day Holocaust deniers that that didn't go on. This is unbelievable that we're even having this discussion. And for our administration, Joe Biden, to call for them to have this. I don't know this, you know, maybe you got to go after them, but, you know, not manicured or, or tempered. When, after 9-11, nobody could tell us what to do to, to retaliate to what happened to us. You know what? You cannot make peace with someone who wants to wipe you out from the river to the sea. What what has to happen, this war has to, none of this cease fire. I'd never hear anybody say release the hostages or tell Hamas to cease, cease fire. They want uh, Israel to cease fight. This is unbelievable that we're having these discussions. Ted Dabrowski, I want to get your reaction. Yeah, you know, this this whole thing is, of course, much, much bigger than that. You know, it, for, yeah. for example, University of Illinois, you have this thing called Communication 9, where in, in about two years, professors will have to have to kind of have this uh, statement of oath that they are being uh, DEI, they're meeting DEI standards for the university, yeah. certified. It is phenomenal. And so, you know, Again, I, I don't like the government getting, especially the federal government, being involved. They shouldn't be propping up universities to begin with. And so, you know, that's a, a big reason why we have this inflation uh, to go to universities. But, um, you know, there's got to be a real look at what universities are doing to kill free speech and what they're doing to promote free speech. And in too many places, uh, they are killing free speech. Can you be against the Israeli Defense Forces and the way they are conducting the war? Can you be for that? without being anti-Semitic. Because the term anti-Semitism has been thrown around quite a bit. Now, if you disagree with U.S. foreign policy as it relates to our influence on Israel, and we're trying to use our influence on Israel, as Stephanie just had to say, is that anti-Semitic? Well, I think you've got to take the history. This isn't a standalone issue. That's the problem. If it were a standalone issue, you would look and say, hey, minimize uh, minimize uh, casualties. Mm-hmm. 
but this is a much bigger discussion that goes a long way. So there are I wanna, many. I want to get our audience to see, see if we can get, engage them in the conversation uh, with that question. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Elk Grove Village. You're listening to Beyond the Beltway. As a local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said. Open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, visit SurroundChicago.com right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Visit SurroundChicago.com today. D'Souza. Police State exposes how the government is targeting their political opponents, our society, and our freedom. FBI, we have an arrest warrant. 15 marked units on my property. These are violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. Are we becoming a police state? Military-style soldiers pointing an automatic rifle at my head. How did we give the state this kind of power? Police State. Go to SalemNow.com to watch the trailer and pre-order the DVD. SalemNow.com. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back, and uh, we're talking about the anti-Semitism charges on American college campuses. What, if anything, uh, should be done to... Uh, um, slap the hand or the mouth of some of these colleges. Uh, some have suggested that there might be a, a way to play with their endowment, to tax their endowment. This is what Senator Cotton has suggested, uh, although I don't know how much support he has for his idea. 
but also a lot of people will cry that that's an invasion of academic freedom. And we're trying to find, uh, you know, where this issue and how this issue unfolds uh, in the general public. And, and I, I had asked the question, can, can you oppose Israel without being called an anti-Semite? And my question is, a lot of people might oppose Israel because they oppose Benjamin Netanyahu. So to oppose Benjamin Netanyahu now, especially in the way he's conducting this war, it, does that hide under the guise of anti-Semitism? Jim, how do you come down on this? Well, this is a little different than the question we had oh, yeah. during the commercial. Because no during the commercial, it. the way you phrased it, Bruce, was is speaking out against civilian casualties in a war zone. Right. Speaking out against civilian casualties right. in a war zone. Is that per se anti-Semitic? So that that's a, one question. Yes, that's right. You rephrase it one, here this, as yeah, good, no, good. if you oppose Israel, are you anti-Semitic? Uh, that you know these get into questions of semantics, right? Mm -hmm. um, I am a, a full supporter of Israel. I believe in Israel's right to exist. I believe in the right to defend themselves, and I believe that uh, their actions or their their desire to root out Hamas is a noble one and one that should be pursued for their own survival. History has taught us that. Now, does that mean that every single action that the Israeli Defense Forces take that Jim Maurice is going to be in agreement with? Undoubtedly not, okay? Uh, but they, ha they are a free, sovereign country. They're entitled to defend themselves in the way that they, uh, that they choose. And the rest of us are entitled to say... We don't like some of those actions. We don't want so many civilians to be killed. But it, in, in the, at the end of the day, uh, I think we have to respect and, uh, and, and honor Israel's sovereignty and right to exist. Very important strategic country to the United States. But when the, when the president initially says, uh, we stand with Israel, and he said it again and again and again, and then he got into like week two or 10, 15 days into the discussion, and and then there there started to become some second some doubts about it, and then uh, Vice President Harris chimed in on it, and then uh, you know Secretary Blinken dropped his his opinions on it, and so well, what no, I, and but, so what but happens you're, you're, is but you're, the words, wait, you're, you're the words spreading spread. so you're spreading I don't think their resolve of being in support of Israel and their right to defend themselves has changed at all. And you're spreading this out over a period of time, of uh, weeks and a month or more, as the uh, war against Hamas uh, escalated and continued and the circumstances changed. But it's, so, as, that war, as that war is conducted by the Israeli Defense Forces, we see uh, every night on television, throughout the day, on, if you're watching TV during the day, you see, you see people who are being killed in their places living in Gaza. These are Palestinians. And what I'm saying is the people that are watching that on television are beginning to be a little upset that the people that they're seeing killed and slaughtered are Palestinians. They don't like it, so they're putting pressure on their representatives 
And that is basically filtering up to the White House. And the White House now has an issue, and it was articulated here a couple of weeks ago when we had a Palestinian-American Democrat on the program, when he basically said that that the, the, the Biden administration, they're losing the vote of the Palestinians. They're, vo- they're losing Muslim voters. In, 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 try, in trying to walk both sides of this aisle, it's pretty hard to walk that aisle because you were torn apart because domestic politics, as well as world politics, as well as the politics that we see on campuses. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is a, a huge amount of pressure every day that goes by. Yes, where where they they're seeming to undermine um, Israel's um, Israel's uh, own defense of their own livelihood right. here, and that's the big. They want to write the rules. In other words, yeah. Biden, Biden wants to stand by Israel, but he wants to write the rules of war. Yeah, and this is this is rules of engagement that Israel has to figure out. I think Israel's <laughs> smart. I think they're going to. Be careful. Be as be as, as good as they can with with regard to casualties, uh, civilian casualties. But man, you're talking about, you know, we, we see it all on TV. We're talking about these tunnels. We're talking about terrorists, Hamas. Uh, this is not an easy thing for them to prosecute. So uh, every time that additional um, people put pressure on Israel to slow down, they're undermining Israel's ability to defend their country. We have to also take note that the media is part of this, and they're going to show us things to sway our opinion. <coughs> How many casualties do we have in Ukraine every day? You know, civilian. We don't talk about that anymore. October 7th was horrible. I don't remember seeing images constantly of what happened with those people. And we don't know what it's like to be Israel. We don't know what. Imagine if, if Mexico and Canada was trying to kill you every day. They're surrounded by enemies that want to take them out. For us to be critical of how they're doing things, it's as if Hamas is not abiding by um, the Geneva Convention rules. They're putting headquarters in hospitals and schools where they're in a position where they have to go after these bad guys. They're using civilians as shields. So who are we to say? I know the last thing Israel wants to do is take out innocent people, but they have to finish this. They cannot go back to, oh, we're just going to be friends again. No, if they if they cease fire— they will lose. They have to finish this. They started it. Hamas started it. And now they shouldn't have picked a fight with someone bigger than them. They got to take them out. It's just that simple. Hamas, not how the, Palestinians. How do the Democrats respond to it? Well, I don't know about all Democrats. I've got my, I've no, got no. my opinion. No, but um, what I'm just saying is, it's, you, I think, would you Foreign would you policy is that not as a, simple as a few people sitting around a radio uh, station table and I kicking understand. it around. Or that? around a three-minute news story on, uh, you know, on Fox News about it. Uh, it's not quite that simple. Uh, we are prosecuting our foreign policy. Uh, we have interests around the world. We have interests on uh, on many, many different fronts. And uh, yeah, it is a it is a difficult situation when your friend is fighting a, a war, and maybe you don't like some of the things that that they're doing, but you you want to be supportive, and you are supportive of your friend. And that's the position I think that our government finds itself relative to its support of Israel. Um, you don't really want to hold your nose and just let things go on. Um, you try to, uh, you try diplomacy. You try talking in back channels. You try sending the message. And I don't think anybody can say that the Biden administration and Blinken, uh, Secretary of State Blinken, have not uh, be, uh, behind the scenes and have not let their displeasure with the kind of uh, civilian casualties that have happened, uh, their displeasure be known. America yes. has expressed itself. We support Israel. 
We will defend Israel's right to exist, but we want civilian casualties to be lessened. Netanyahu has that, uh, certainly has that message, but it is Hamas who is having headquarters in the basements of hospitals, who is surrounding themselves with infants and incubators, who's using the population of Gaza as a human shield. And if that's happening, I know IDF is is very skilled at the the, the kind of things that they're doing. Um, But there is, unfortunately, a lot of collateral damage. They need to lessen it, and I believe that they will lessen it with the encouragement of the United States, which is happening. Do we encourage them? Because we're, we're talking, we, you know, we were talking about the money flow to colleges or universities to make them uh, react or act more like we want them to act. Where does our foreign policy, where does it stop insofar as the use of our money and billions of dollars have gone to Israel over the last decade or several decades? Does, does that money not buy what it used to buy? Well, I don't think it should ever buy anything. Uh, well, it, it's bought, it went it's for bought a, a purpose. It's bought a strong friendship. What I'm just well, saying is, it has. you were, you were like, there's our a little, it's a carrot and a stick. But it's not extent. exactly a quid pro quo, and I, you know, I don't think America has ever wanted to run Israeli foreign policy or Israeli government. We don't always agree eye to eye on them. We haven't always agreed eye to eye with Netanyahu or any of his predecessors. Um, Would it go away the, if he was not, if he was not the prime minister? Do you think this war would end sooner or later, Jim? I have no crystal ball on that. What no, do you think? What do you think? I, I think it may it may end earlier. And then again, it may. Ted's not. nodding. Yeah, nodding I, I think it end earlier. I think uh, you know Netanyahu's established himself <clears throat> as as uh, wanting to prosecute this war and 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 take out Hamas. So. I don't know another way to end in the war. They're going to sit down across the table with Hamas and, and make nice conversation. I mean, they have to win this war. Someone else started it. They have to finish it. How he can they said, ever relax? But he, he has said recently that he does not like a two-state solution. He does not want the formation of a state of Palestine, which would be, be bigger than what the Gaza Strip is. Because he <laughs> says, if, if we're dealing with all of this chaos— with the size of Gaza now, what about if that country was much larger? He's worried about it. He doesn't. He does not want to say a blanket that he wants Israel to have some role in governing Gaza when this war ever ends. The people in Gaza don't want that. I'm not so sure that the United States government wants that. But that's what he's saying that he wants to do. Anyway, we've got to pause. We got another half hour to go. I'm Bruce Dumont. When we come back, we've solved all these world problems. We will solve the problem of the sieve at the southern border when we come back. D'Souza, police state. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Migrant Republicans threaten the very foundation of our republic. Are we becoming a police state? The government is trying to crush the conservative movement, our society, and our freedoms. They define you as radical. How did we give the state this kind of power? If they're coming for me, they're coming for you. Police state. Buy it or stream it now at salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.
Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill, wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, visit surroundchicago.com. Remember to visit surroundchicago.com today. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Well, you know, in 2020... Bruce Dumont back. We continue with our last couple of segments of our program uh, for tonight. And uh, Stephanie Hill, I mentioned in the introduction, uh, you are... uh, uh, you first introduced this program to Vivek Ramaswamy, and we had him as a guest on the program. Thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, and uh, you were working for him at that time. You are not working for him now, uh. but you are going to be a delegate for him to the convention, or you're running to be a delegate for him uh, in the uh, in the uh, uh, convention coming up in Milwaukee next year. My question to you is: I want to go back to some things that we talked about, you know, off the air, and that is. Do you think he is significantly worn out as welcome? No, we've got a long time between now and Election Day, and people ebb and flows. I mean, he's being consistent. He's being, I don't a little bit more firm or direct. And even when you have Chris Christie coming to the aid of Nick of Nikki Haley because Vivek was just 
too, you know, um, too firm, too mean or aggressive with her. I mean, it, he, he, it's like, again, it's a long time between now and November. They're, they're going to be up and down. But for all the people that may have cringed at what he said, there are a lot of people that are so excited about what he's saying, especially when it comes to our open borders and him declaring ter- those the cartel as terrorists. We need to have politicians that decide because we are at war at our southern border. Ted, do you think we need uh, maybe military action on the southern border? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean military action in Mexico or just on the United States? U.S. troops on the on the U.S. side of the border. I mean, so some have suggested to uh, Governor DeSantis has suggested incursion into Mexico. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I think, has made similar charges. Um, I don't think Donald Trump has gone that far yeah, yet. Yeah, no. But uh, you know, they use fentanyl as the reason uh, for their p- p- positions, which obviously are abhorrent to most people in the media. But the idea is. What are you going to do? You, you've got all these troops. Why aren't the troops being used to protect our borders? Yeah, I mean, that gets back to the whole discussion. <clears throat> you got Ukraine, Israel. We're, we're supporting all these other countries to defend themselves. And here we are having you know, some, some people like it. I mean, some people want millions of people to come through the border. Many of us don't. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a son of two immigrants, uh, one from Ecuador, one from Poland. So I'm a massive lover of immigration. But again, legal, legal immigration. Um, and, and what we're doing now, and we, you know, we're in Chicago, uh, and we're watching huge problems happen in Chicago where we can't take care of these people that are coming in. The, the, the black community is especially upset because we are now prioritizing illegal immigrants over ordinary residents who have been here forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge mess on our head. Yeah, I, I, I would support, you know, and again, not military incursions. I think that's, that's, a, that's, a different, that's a different topic. But why not protect our border? This is America. Let's have a real process for who we want to come in legally, and, and then otherwise let's protect the border. Now, the president, uh, in his discussions with uh, uh, the Senate, insofar as whether or not there's going to be an approval of, of funds, because the administration wants to send money to Israel, they want to send money to Ukraine, and uh, they say they want to beef up the border, but it's the Republicans that are demanding certain things happen first before they get on board. But c- could this decision or this this agreement that they come to, Jim, could this be a blessing in disguise for the Democrats? Because it could give uh, the president an opportunity to do something a little more um, visibly uh, in his in, in the reputation that he has, that he's too laissez-faire considering the border. And yet if he if he buys into this Republican plan, funding, can he just say, well, you know, I agreed with the Republicans and, and we did it, and by golly, things are going to be better. Well, you know, I'd love uh, for at some point over the last 20 years that there have been border problems uh, and immigration problems and a broken immigration system uh, for Republicans have to have put forth a bill. Um, they haven't. Um, Every time the Democrats have attempted to engage the Republicans in immigration reform, uh, all the way back to the Dreamers, to you know, kids that now, 30 and 40 and 50-year-olds who were brought here at the age of 7 or 8, uh, who've lived in America, who've worked in America, who've paid taxes, raised their families in America, have uh, mortgages with Bank of America, uh, to find them a path to citizenship uh, and Republicans uh, full-throatedly pushed back against that, never allowed well, it to Well, they did that. They, Jim, they did, they did that because the Democrats 
would not provide the funding for a firm enforcement at the border. And they basically said, until you show and demonstrate with your votes that you really care about defending the border and stopping people coming to the country who are illegal, until you do that, we're not going to sign up for giving a free pass to citizenship for people who are who are dreamers. That's 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 not, but Bruce, that's not a free pass. I I know uh, I know immigrants who've come from Mexico, who played it by the book, hired lawyers, filed papers. Actually, their deceased fathers filed papers, yeah. and they were put in a pile that literally has been a pile for twenty five years, and they still haven't been called. Now they're in their thirties and forties. And, you know, and it's just, it's ridiculous. That's yeah, what, but that's, that's what but is broken. That's, but that, but and that's, that's what Republicans have refused no, 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 no. to address. Jim. And right now, the I, the notions of the border and everything you're hearing and uh, the conspiracy theorists and hearing on Fox News, it's just another dog whistle toward uh, racism. Racism. In all deference to your description of the last 25 years. Yeah. For the last 25 years, we had a couple of Democratic presidents, 25, 30 years. We had Congress controlled by the Democrats. Why is, we, why is, it, why is it when they had the power? And there was a period when they had the White House and both sides of Congress. Within the last 25 years, why, isn't they, why did they, they not step up and correct this? You can't just blame the Republicans. The Republicans have been Johnny One Notes. I'm not, saying, just, I'm not just blaming the, the Republicans. Border. I'm saying well, the Republicans need to, the moderate Republicans need to join the moderate Democrats and cobble together a solution. And, and help the moderate lead. Democrats and they have refused to, doing that. The, the moderate Democrats have to, uh, it seems to me, to come up with some additional dollars to to stop, uh, you know, to enforce what's happening on the border because it it, it is a joke. It is a I, national I security to, threat. We spend billions of dollars at the border. I have to weigh in. Homeland Security and a whole bunch of other and it doesn't uh, federal work. and state agencies. And it doesn't we keep work. Well, then about what, what's a, more money going to do? We keep talking Where's about immigration reform. Where's the wall Mexico was going to pay How about for? we Where, enforce the laws that are currently on the book? And let me talk about racism. I ha- happen to be the only descendant of enslaved Americans sitting in this, in this um, studio right now. So when you talk about racism, when you have a grocery store on 115th and um, and and Hosted that's been <clears throat> closed for over a decade, and you want to bring illegals, they've been begging, make this into a community center, make this into a senior center. They find money to put illegals there, taking resources from black people in our neighborhoods, in black neighborhoods where I grew up, and putting in illegals. I'm a, we were dreamers first, you know what I mean? I you know enforce the laws at the border. We don't reform. No, no, no. Let's enforce the laws. And make sure those people don't come over. I don't want to hear the sob story about. It. I've been here thirty years. I've been well. My family, my my ancestors have been here a lot longer than that. Well, what we are, things, are the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth okay. amendment was written for descendants of slaves, okay. not for one illegals. Of, one of the one of the things, by the way, that is being discussed allegedly, if you're following the national news media, is that this that, that Biden may agree coming out of this negotiation that's going on, he may agree with a Trump era policy of stay in Mexico, mm-hmm. do your asylum, all yes. your paperwork in, in, yes. in Mexico or your country of origin, right. do it there. Now, wouldn't that be a positive thing, Jim? 
That's a Republican idea. It's a, it's, a, it's a Donald Trump idea. I think a lot of ideas from both sides can be brought to the table. Well, let's and do it. If, well, I agree. Let's where, do it. Where let's, do the poor let's get people... a Republican Party who will help lead, who will help run government. Well, I'm Donald, from Instead of Tom Cotton from the Freedom Caucus coming out with, uh, a, a, I think, a very wacky idea – to tax endowments of educational institutions. Um, that, that, that so, this, that's just a typical... Wasn't Donald, whistle, wasn't Donald Trump for on the, the right track on this right. issue? Wasn't he on the right mm-hmm. track on the issue of immigration? Let me see the bill. I okay. can't speak... We, we no, got to talk about... I can't speak blankly. Let's stop pretending... Don, I wanna, I wanna, let's I talk wanna, about... We got to talk about... Hold over it. Okay, go ahead. Ted, get back to, that. to you. You wanted to weigh, weigh in on this. Yeah, no, I, I think you, know, you mentioned that I think Trump Trump was getting things under control. He was starting to build the wall. You know, we can have a big debate on the wall. Uh, but I, th- I think what fascinates me is how bad the situation has gotten, how, how you know, the, the animosity between Texas and Illinois, Texas and New York, uh, Florida. It's so bad, and yet, and yet the government, let's say Biden, is not doing anything about this. If anything, the numbers keep pouring in. You're having mm-hmm. record numbers of people come mm-hmm. over. And we're watching it happen. We're watching people. I tell you, I, I've been to Chicago police stations and talked to the Venezuelans sleeping on the ground, sleeping in tents outside. It's an embarrassment. for It looks like a third world country. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're allowing. At the same time, we're abusing the blacks and, and, and those who've been here for a long time and not prioritizing them first. So it's a, it's a, big, it's a big disaster. And if, if Biden should do anything, he should take leadership and start Go back, go back to the Trump well, method, or, or something better. Well, one thing he has done is he's given, he's given, he's focused on the Venezuelans, and he's given them a a waiver that they can get their paperwork to, to go to work sooner than uh, the people from Haitians, Ecuador okay. or any place else. We got to talk about a, who's coming across. Isn't that a positive thing? No, just, no but, but, yeah, but it's a positive thing. But I, no, but I argue the easier we make it for these immigrants to be here the more that are going to come, come. Right. right? And so we, we're incentivizing people to keep coming Do you over. agree with that, Jim? Well, you know, uh, back in the early 1900s when we needed workers, skilled oh. artisans to help build uh, national monuments we and, knew who and, they were, and national building, uh, buildings, um, we, al- we allowed uh, a, a lot of Sicilian immigrants, uh, one Legal. of whom my great-grandparents we were. Gotta, and uh, we gotta that pause. was a good thing. got to pause. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly with our last segment of Beyond the Beltway. Thanks for joining us tonight. If you're on the road, be careful out there. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, visit surroundchicago.com. Remember to visit surroundchicago.com today. Don't miss the new movie by Dinesh D'Souza, Police State. We are free! Migrant Republicans threaten the very foundation of our republic. Are we becoming a police state? The government is trying to crush the conservative movement, our society, and our freedoms. They define you as radical. How did we give the state this kind of power? If they're coming for me, they're coming for you. Police state. Buy it or stream it now at salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.
No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, <laughs> tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Ah, Bruce Dumont back segment, our last segment of the evening, and... Uh, uh, we're talking about uh, what's happening in the city of Chicago and also around the country with illegal immigration and whether or not it's going to be resolved or not. And uh, uh, Ted, I want to take a moment because uh, you're focusing on the impact of illegal immigrants on the city of Chicago. And again, we're, we're playing to a national audience, but what's happening in Chicago is happening in a lot of other large cities in the United States. Your focus has been on education. What can you tell us about how it, education in the city of Chicago is being impact, impacted by the, the, the tens of thousands of immigrants that have come into the country in the last, let's say, six months? Well, yeah, it, it's really tough because uh, you know, we've, we've done a lot of digging into CPS, the Chicago Public Schools, and how poorly the kids perform there. And uh, these schools are not teaching our kids, our black and Latino kids. Eighty-five uh, percent of CPS is now black or Hispanic. There's very few whites left. And when you start looking at the numbers, uh, less than you know, less than a quarter of kids in, in the entire school district, in the entire school district, over 300,000 kids can read at grade level. But then when you start looking at the community schools, a lot of times it's only five percent of kids who can read at grade level, three percent. And so we are, and we're spending thirty thousand dollars a kid right now at CPS. So we're spending tons of money. Our kids can't read. They can't do math. And now we're going to flood them with even more kids who are not English speakers who don't have the same education uh, ability in, in, in their language. Um, and they're coming into the schools. Is it, going to require, schools. is it going to require more teachers 
who understand, uh, <laughs> who can teach, uh, you know, the Bruce, Spanish the Bruce, as the second language the Bruce, or first language. But Bruce, they're not teaching kids to read and do math in, in English. So what the heck are they going to do when they suddenly get an inflow and in a huge number of kids in Spanish who won't know what, what, what's going on? It's, it's a massive fail for our kids. Stephanie, to what, what extent has, has you have described the frustration that exists in the African-American community? I saw that with my own eyes when I was out, again, with vi- visiting Vivek with Vivek Ramaswamy that mm-hmm. one day. And, uh, boy, the, the crowd really gave him a, an earful. And he's basically, uh, I think, uh, and, he's reacted on his public speak, speeches uh, since that. That was a quite a, of a learning experience for him that you set up on the south side of Chicago. Well, thus but far, again, he's the only <clears throat> presidential candidate that's come here to address those people that are concerned about the illegals being dumped into their uh, neighborhoods. I love when they say they come here seeking asylum from violence, from economic oppressions. And I think about what about the black people <clears throat> on the west and south side? Where do they go for asylum? And when we think about what happened on Atlanta. October 7th, people... Uh, parachuted into Israel. They don't have to parachute. They're already here. 24,000 Chinese Chinese people have come across our border in the last year. We have people from so many countries. It's not just Hispanic countries. They're coming from all over. People that hate us. All they have to do is pick up the phone and make a call and boom, they're already here. How do you, how do you know they hate us? You're making some no, broad statements. Okay, I'm sorry. It. I need to disclose. Every morning for Four hours. I listen to talk radio out of Phoenix, where they have Lukeville and these in these border where people are coming. Ten thousand a day come into little suburbs. So that's where I'm getting my information from. And the people that they're uh, interviewing, where you from? Yeah, majority Venezuela, whatever. But there's way too many people coming from hostile countries. That's why we must okay, but, secure but our border. Let me just let me just say, you can come from a hostile country, and one of the reasons why you're leaving that country is because you don't agree with their their hostility towards the Well, towards how are you getting out of China, though? I'm just curious. How do 24,000 people get out of China? I can't address all mm-hmm. of those nations. Okay. All I'm saying is that when you make the comment that they all hate America, I don't know and I don't believe that necessarily is true. That may be— From countries that are hostile to us and maybe not everyone that lives the there— Even if the country is hostile, hostile to, us, to right? us, it doesn't mean that that well, person mm-hmm. is hostile to us. It could be. I'm not—, I'm not Well, you know, you know whatever you the know, story you is— know, You know, you I, right. know, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there are blacks living on the south and west side in Chicago mm-hmm. who are hostile to the United right. States. But, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, okay. for sure. But, 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 hey, Jim, but I want to get, I wanna get Jim's reaction— Jim's reaction to, to, to the whole issue of because what's happening here is you have you have a you have the you have the community constituencies, which are made up primarily of black and brown people in large cities around the United States. They are now trying to find a way to make room for immigrants from other countries, and those core constituencies are rejecting them. They don't want them in their neighborhood, and 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 the city of Chicago is allegedly doing the best they can but the best they can was they wanted to, they wanted to put them on a on a, on a lot of with toxic, lot of land with, right, with that toxic, was toxic yeah mm-hmm. and they spent several they spent a million over dollars, a million dollars doing it, it. Yeah. so take us take us in the in the community well, I, I think, of, I think mayor place. i think mayor johnson uh, uh, <laughs> has his job more than cut out for him uh, i think uh, i think it is a problem um, but, uh, you know, I don't think you should let the facts get in the way of, I don't. of one of, 
of one of Stephanie's uh, good arguments here. Which uh, is? Well, what, I'm being facetious, oh, okay. and I appreciate that she <laughs> listens to Phoenix Talk Radio. God knows what that is or <laughs> where that comes what from. Is. It could be uh, could be kind of scary. Could be great. I don't know. Um, it it is clearly a problem. It's been a problem for some of the southern states. Um, I don't think that taking people like cattle and putting them on buses and sending them uh, even a more thousand even more thousands of miles away. Uh, is uh, is a is a great idea. They ask them um, do they but, want to go before they send them on the bus. And these, yeah, they're sending them to sanctuary. I don't, know, I don't, know, if, I don't note, know if any of them have asked for uh, to be returned back to They have to, to sign. Texas they have to sign to get on the bus. And they're sending them to sanctuary cities. Folks, we're out of time. Go ahead. The people, the people listening to us in KLBJ in Austin, Texas, are screaming and yelling out there <laughs> because they they like to talk about the Texas perspective. But again, uh, we as uh, we thank our guests. Uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Jim Morisi for being with us. He is an attorney. He's a Democrat, and he's been uh, carrying the water and holding, the, uh, waving the flag of the, the Democratic Party and President Biden here this evening. Stephanie Trussell is here. She is a talk show host. Uh, she ran for lieutenant governor with Darren Bailey uh, last year in the Illinois Republican primary, and uh, she's very much involved in looking to the future. And she is a delegate for Vivek Ramaswamy to the uh, Republican convention in uh, Milwaukee uh, next year. And, of course, uh, Ted Dambrowski is with us. He is the president of WirePoints. And if you, if you want to know more about WirePoints, wirepoints.org, right? Correct. Wirepoints.org. You'll learn a lot more about him. Our thanks to Fritz Goldman. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Merry Christmas, everybody.